Hey guys, so Trevor here with Ride of Leaf. Today I've got Jaden Caldwell from Sticky Greens. He's going to be their terpene and flavor specialist, I think is the best title that I can give you based off the list Miguel sent me. <laughs> but uh, he's going to be the guy that helps um, perpetrate and develop those flavors we're experiencing through their Disty sticks and through their vape cartridges. So I'm looking forward to diving into all things Sticky Greens and terpene development with you today yeah that's awesome thanks for the introduction yeah product development's a big thing for me um sticky greens i'm sure you know and love us because of our really unique flavor combinations some of the stuff definitely prior to my arrival like our amazing rudy b and carnival clouds some of our kind of flagship flavors that have really been doing well in the market and that consumers just love so really playing off those confectionery blends i'm hopefully um excited to introduce like our orange swirl into the bc market which will be a lot of fun um we're also going to introduce that into ontario hopefully as well as new brunswick orange swirl is going to have this like unique kind of orange creamsicle flavor to it that's really smooth and creamy with not a lot of that citrus hint but it's very exciting and then uh, a couple of our new flavors I'm looking at is one called White Freeze. Very interesting. Obviously, you could probably guess what it tastes like, a nice White Freezy. Uh, everybody's nostalgic summer treat that you know and love. And I think having that in a vape is really going to entice consumers to want to try it at least. Neat thing is, is we're also offering tons of disposables. So we're going to be putting a lot of our amazing flavors like Carnival Clouds, Orange Swirl, White Freeze, Rudy B, uh, all in these 0.25 disposables for the summer, which will be really interesting for anybody coming here for cannabis tourism during during that time. So it's going to be a blast. Well, and I think with the amount of conferences and expos and stuff that are really blowing up this year, because this year we've seen the most come up since the first year of legalization, because we had two years of COVID that kind of paused everything. This is the yeah. first year where all of the companies are going as big, if not bigger than that first year. And they're going hard. So I think disposables for ease of access for just people who are going to be in town for a weekend yeah. is going to be a big sailor too. Yeah, I think so too. And especially because our price is going to be extremely cost effective for a lot of retailers and a lot of consumers. I think we'll nail it and hit it out of the park. Well, and it with, the brand recognition you guys already have, right? The, the Rudy B came on and it it took over the market because there wasn't anything comparable to it. Yeah. In that that traditional root beer soda pop kind of a taste. There's the sassafras, which it was hit and miss. <laughs> like it was very much <laughs> hit tried. and miss on the sassafras. There's yeah. some people who loved it. I wasn't one of those people. But then following it up with all of the other, like the, the lychee ice and all those more fruity base flavors rounded it out really well in it. I know in Alberta, it, everyone was hunting flavors for those original yeah. carts. So that's what made the recognition. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's kind of what my plan is moving forward is really playing off those good flavors that we did the really unique kind of punch you in the face kind of flavors like the mango tango i knew was yep. a huge hit when we launched it the original island colada before uh, we had our terpene mess up with it was amazing as well so that's kind of what we're looking to reinvigorate with a lot of our flavors and i love that you mentioned the fact that 
Rudy B took over the market. Carnival Clouds is kind of doing a similar thing in that cotton candy scope. Like I haven't really seen a lot of other flavors come out that hit that mark. And uh, we're going to be pairing that again with more of that fruity, lighter flavors because we find our consumer base is very much on either side of that. It's like, I want something really tasty, but I don't want to get smacked in the face. Like I just took a huge sip of pop. Yeah. No, like it's, and it's also the people who are using distillate over the live resin, live rosin. It's a different consumer, right? 100%. Like when I go and I like, if I'm buying a distillate cart, a, I want to know the distillate quality is good. You guys work with Motif Labs. You're arguably some of the best distillate coming on the Canadian market. Yeah, their process right? is fantastic. Well, and you, and it's it's the consistency across all the brands they're working with. Mm-hmm. Feather has just as good quality distillate base as you guys do, as the actual debunked and their own in-house products that they're producing or putting out. Yeah. And then like any of the other companies they've paired with, the, di- the distillate has never been an issue. It's whether that terpene profile matches what you, they want to actually brand it as or release it as. Yeah, exactly. Is that terpene profile going to hit or is it a little bit weak? Does it need to be bolder? And I think we do a really good job of that. And hopefully as a, the product guy, uh, I'll be able to continue that momentum forward as we as we drop the orange swirl and the, and the white freeze. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to be able to kind of sample some of those trials when I was with um, Miguel at the B Lounge event at uh, Lyft. So I was able to try some of those in that. I can't remember which phase of the orange swirl he mentioned. He's like, it was one that you still had development for, mm-hmm. but that base one was great to begin with because it was yeah. definitely cream on the mouthfeel and on the flavor. And that's that's unique. Yeah, the right. mouthfeel is a big one, especially for vapes. And that's why we're even optimizing a lot of our hardware. Um, I'm sure like it's branded, it looks beautiful, but we're actually starting to angle out the mouthpiece, really develop that uh, internal kind of pathway and make sure that the delivery system is even more on point than it already is. And again, quality speaks volumes, especially when you have quality distillate, you need to have quality hardware for that distillate to go through. And so we use Green Tank. Uh, They've been phenomenal with us and they're constantly developing new kind of technology uh, in wake of, I guess, uh, the industry and how it's constantly evolving, right? Like nobody wants a bunch of wicks and stuff in there. Nobody wants a bunch of like coils and things. So all the coilless tech, ceramic, everything that we can do to push that forward is what we're going to try and achieve eventually. Coilless tech's still a little bit out there, but um, I can't wait for the day when you get a full quartz yeah. 510 and it's like the smoothest, most beautiful taste ever, right? Well, and, and then at, when we get to that point, it's we're talking a different quality of product we're consuming. Right. And that's, there's, and there's people who are trying to do that transition with um, like, I know natural history is trying to bring air graft in pretty heavy and they've got some good um, science behind their stuff. And I'd be interested to see how it functions in comparison to like the packs, because I've had packs pods that work really well, but as soon as you go into like that live resin, live rosin, I've had a lot of issues with packs pods. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. So, the aperture and, and everything that they have to use for those is you have to dial it in 
almost batch to batch based on the consistency of what you're putting into that product, right? That's the huge thing with live resin, rosin, or anything that isn't as smooth and easy to manipulate as distillate. So I completely agree with you there. I think new technology is needed, but I think it's going to be a, a while before even the consumer can adapt to that new technology right off the hop, right? Everybody has a 510 battery. Like everybody has multiple 510s yeah. of these things just sitting around. You'll find them in the couch, under your bed, like in the car. So if you have 10 of them sitting around, it would be very difficult to all of a sudden change hardware. Yep. Because and now you got buy new batteries and those batteries could be $15 instead of three. <laughs> and I, I do think that when it comes to the product, there's going to be a delivery system that works better for each product. And arguably the 510 for distillate is hard to beat. Like it's yeah. very, very hard to beat. When you go into those rosins and resins, I think the packs and the air graph might have a little bit of a higher degree to be a better quality just because they can dial the temperatures in a little bit better. They can have a consistency a little bit better, but that's a totally different side of the market because you've got flat fats, lipids, you've got a bunch of other mm -hmm. things you've Extras. got to consider when you're vaporizing it. Where distillate, it's 99.9% .9 is being vaporized with heat. Yeah, you only need it at a certain temperature. You yeah. don't need to ebb and flow between really good temperature control to get that maximum entourage effect and flavor profile, right? So I almost think disposables might be a unique way for live resin and rosin to be yep. achieved because you can build that disposable specifically with that input material in mind, right? The aperture holes would be perfect. The temperature would be consistent through every pole because you're not changing it. You don't have the ability to change it. So you set it and forget it. And in my mind too, like really nice live resin and rosin and beautiful extract, full spectrum extract like that doesn't really belong in a pen. Nope. <laughs> if you're hardcore and you love those flavors, you want it in a jar. And hopefully soon, that'll be something we're providing. That'll be something unique that we bring to the market too, because I'm, I'm a huge flower guy. And to be in the position I'm in with distillate, is very interesting because it's a whole new side of the world that I haven't opened up to, but I understand like its presence and recognition and need in the market. Well, it, it, it provides an entry level access for a lot of people that are just looking to increase the amount of THC they're consuming without having to throw a bunch of money at resins rosins dab rigs like it's just gonna it's, say glassware everything yeah. in between right because most people aren't gonna go and spend ten dollars to get one of these a silicone nectar collector to take yeah. dabs it's just that's not what people they'll go and they'll spend two hundred dollars and get a full setup like this because that's what they think they need yeah exactly where in reality this 15 dollars thing for the first six months of dabbing is all you need to find what product you like the most of. Yeah. And then you can dial it in using glass and fucking everything in between and then getting the temp gun to make sure you're heating your banger up appropriately <laughs> and then moving over to the electronic nails. Right. So yep. that it's constantly at the perfect heat setting. Right. So it, it's a progression. I totally agree with that.
And when it comes to the consumers and the products, that should be the similar progression. So like the 510 distillate carts were always my, oh, I just want to get something that is a little bit more. I want to try getting into the concentrates. Okay, well, this is perfect because you like your flour. So smoke your flour like you normally do. But instead of going out to relight that joint, just take a puff or two off of this. Just see if just see if it maintains that high for you long enough that you don't need to go and relight that joint that night. You can just stay inside and hit this a couple of times. And then all of a sudden they can start expanding it from there because those two puffs of maintaining a high is exactly what I, I, I see distillate meant for. Mm-hmm. It's a maintenance, not necessarily the lead in the experience. Hundred percent, I would agree with that. And based on like consumption patterns and the habits of consumers, with that, you see a lot of individuals needing that consumption kind of program or or space because you need to be discreet, right? Yeah. You don't want to be smelling like super loud cannabis all day long if you're at work or on the work site or picking your kids up from school or babysitting or doing whatever you need to do as an adult. Yeah. This way, you smell like mango berry cotton candy flavor vape juice that anybody could be smoking from the e-cigarette places so and i'd even argue that the aromas of the cannabis based are less dominant than the nicotine ones yeah unless it's blown right in your face or you're taking in what somebody's breath smells like you don't smell it yeah like it dissipates very quickly it's just that's why cannabis smoke and maybe this might be too much information, but when I was living in my apartment and I wasn't supposed to smoke in there, cannabis smoke was much easier to smoke in there than say when my friends came over with cigarettes, right? You couldn't, couldn't smoke cigarettes in there because it would stick to the walls and it would be in there for weeks after, but you smoke a joint in there, it's open the windows, it's gone in 12 hours, not even. Well, and even now, like I've got this melter here and I've got, the smoke eliminator senses and stuff like that, that literally they've got compounds in there to remove cannabis smoke. I hot box the shit out of this room regularly. I put one of those on and I close the doors and I, it like I do like people would do when they, when they're spraying for, for pests. Yeah. I just hit it with one of those candles for four hours, come Up back and you room. would not even know. Yeah. And that's without cracking a window. Beautiful. Like, it's cannabis smoke and tobacco smoke are two totally different compounds when they're being actually lit and it i would even argue cigarette and cigars are two different things because there's when it's pure tobacco versus all the additives of cigarettes yeah a little bit of a different experience and you could cigar smoke is almost enjoyable to get the passing experience cigarette smoke it doesn't matter what it is it's not enjoyable it tastes like a cigarette. Cigarettes are cigarettes, right? And this this kind of brings me into the next point too. This even rolls into the whole nicotine juice thing, right? <laughs> I've had friends who smoke that all the time in their car because they're moving away from cigarettes. But look at the film and stuff it leaves on the inside of the windows. That doesn't happen really with cannabis, especially when you're smoking a joint. I find if you're really close to the window and you're smoking your distillate pen all day long in your car, you'll get a bit of a sticky film yeah. on there, but that's only if you're really heating it up lots and, and hitting it hard. But it, it's one of those things. It doesn't linger. It's, it's a good, nice light smoke that yeah. removes itself very easily. So, yeah. yeah. And especially with 
the winters that we have in northern Alberta and the northern chunks, the access to carts just for that discretion, that discreet consumption that they can hit their pens indoors and the apartments and stuff like that is huge. Like usually November, our vape sales would double or triple all the way until about March, mid-March, early April. Then when it started to get nice, people are outside, you'd start to see the pre-rolls increase yeah, again. Exactly. And, it, and even at this point, it never really swung back, swung back to the way it was after that first release of carts. We've it's always gone back to like a 50-50 divide to like 80-20 in the winter being cart dominant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and if you continue to look at like headset and a lot of those other spaces right now, right? Like um, in Alberta, especially vapor pens are 16% of the market, pre-rolls are 24. Um, I remember year one, it was like pre-rolls were almost 30% of the market and vape pens were eight or nine, 10% max in some provinces. And just as we've progressed and things have become more flavorful, tastier and and really working better, the hardware and the pre-rolls too, right? The, just the manufacturing of those products has gone up. And so I think that's a big thing is why you see this consumption habit is because now there's consistency. There's consistency and I know my smoke's gonna be good in the winter. Now there's consistency. I know my smoke's going to be good in the summer, regardless of the medium I have. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I do think we're seeing a conversion of legacy consumers into the legal market for the vaporizers because the price point is becoming comparable. When, yeah, you can pay $30 for a one gram cart, or you can go and pay the extra $12 and not have to wait three days for it to show it up. People are going to go spend that 12 extra dollars to pay and pick up a one gram card at the dispo, especially with the amount of selection that's being available there with, like you said, the quality increase, the consistency of that quality increase. Like it's the, the legal market is really putting a dent in on the, the vape side because we've got so many good producers out there like you guys that have quality distillate that they can get access to that are just um, creating these terpene profiles that people are wanting. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think too, like, it's one of those things, I think a lot of people on the legacy market are still like very loyal to that space, right? Especially with flower producers, especially with guys who are picking up and have been picking up from their buddy down the street for 10, 15, 20 plus years, right? Like it's very hard for that relationship to go kind of the wayside, right? Mm -hmm. However, speaking on that, there's a lot of these amazing legacy guys coming into the legal market because they can get hands on the extraction technology that they're like, shit, I can't just do this in my basement anymore. I can't just do this in the warehouse and try and pass it off as like a different converter or something that I'm using to extract, right? It's hard to get my hands on a $6 million CO2 extraction machine when I'm working in the legacy space, whereas it's a lot easier if I convert and I have my processing facility and now I'm making hash raws and on scale, like um, Lady Jane Labs, for instance, some of the best stuff, in my opinion, that I've tried on the market, right? Really good. Even distinct doing what they're doing with yep. some of their rosin products, right? So, mm-hmm. well, and like when I was out 
at Lyft, the amount of people who like the three companies that I met and they're like, yeah, we're transitioning to the legal market. And they were talking, yeah, day one of legalization, never would have thought my, I was in this place. And now they're like, I have to move. Like it, it fees like monetarily, it makes more sense to be in the legal market to make money than it is to try and play around where I am, where they are, yeah. which if like, these are some, these were, one of them was a legacy producer that I bought from yeah. prior to, didn't even know that he was showed up, met him, <laughs> exchange, got the details. I was like, holy shit, you're transitioning. Okay. Right. And then like Fant, Fant is another good example. They're almost Perfect. to the point of finishing their transition. Yeah. And that's insane. That I never is. would have thought Fant would have jumped into the legal space because of their success in, in the legacy market, right? They're a big brand name. Yep. People know them. And it seems like they're coming in with some traction, which is huge. Like mm -hmm. I, I didn't have the exposure to them on the legacy side. So I'm learning all about their stuff now, which is, it's making me that much more excited to try their stuff. Right. right? Like it's, it's, it's a unique story. It's a unique brand for the market, which is nice to see. Yeah. And, and we're seeing more of, that even so with like the edible companies that are coming in the market from yeah. the states right like i'm just waiting for the day moda shows up yeah. here because they're some of the best edibles <laughs> i've had on the legacy market right and when they start producing that up here in canada for legal consumption it's going to be great but i'm sure they're holding off until the regulations change so yeah. they can create their 600 milligram gummy <laughs> yeah. Well, or even if it's just getting it up to that 2550 where we have, and I, I'm going to always put this argument out there. We should have a concentrate edible section. It should be a 2.0 to edibles, just like we had a 2.0 for flour. Yep. The concentrates came in and we keep them separate. They are labeled separate. Even if to begin with, they're just straight up. Here's your gummy. There's no flavor to it. You get hundred milligrams. You can get 250 milligrams. That's your cap. If that's how it starts with, just to kind of get that fear out of the system of, oh, well, people are going to buy these and then they're going to go. We need a couple of people to go a little bit over the wall. We need a couple of people to get a little too high off of it and go, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Right. I just didn't feel that comfortable for four hours before I went to sleep. Yeah, I was just squirrely. Yeah, we and we need we need people who have like it's a genuine mistake. Not that I want people to go through that experience, but we need that experience to happen to come on and go, it's not that big of a deal. Right. A hundred percent. Like everybody pre-legalization year one. Oh my goodness. Sound the alarm bells. Cause everybody's yeah. going to be driving high and car accidents are going to go through the roof and all this stuff that they were kind of fear mongering at the very beginning of legalization. We were able to step back from and go, okay, three years now, look at the data. Yeah. Nobody's smashing into each other. No one's driving around like idiots because we've all been doing this for the last 25 years anyways. <laughs> like there's, there's the recreational consumer where it's a once or twice a week. And then there's the people who consume, I don't want to say religiously, but they consume and it's a part of their being. They they're medically consuming throughout yeah. the day. There's I call it a, therapeutic use. Exactly. All cannabis in my eyes is therapeutic use even recreational because you're still trying to enjoy some sort of relief from yeah. something in your day or remove some aches and pains or just have a good laugh 
right? That's all therapeutic in my eyes, right? My psychology kind of background really makes me think about cannabis consumption in that light, because even as a medical consumer, I smoke a fair amount a day, I smoke about three grams a day, but I'm still functional. I'm not like the old nineties commercial where uh, Janie's on the couch, all deflated and can't move, right? Like I'm, and many people can function on cannabis and many people, like you said, are recreational consumers who like to get deflated on the couch and be yeah. kind of a zombie, but they know that's why they consume. Well, exactly. And that's, and if that's your end goal and that's where you maintain your tolerance, that that could be your, like, that's the thing is it's what's your end goal. Yeah. And are you maintaining the tolerance to provide that end goal? My end goal with the consumption of cannabis is to be able to get through my day as productive as possible. 100%. So guess what? My tolerance needs to be here where the missus, she wants it to be, have a good time, little giggly, go to sleep. A 2.5 milligram edible from the store has her floored in about 30 minutes. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm sure it has to do with the, her way her body breaks yeah. down that and like Biochemistry, on the edible everything. side she she gets so irritated around it because it's like i don't understand how two and a half milligrams could just i'm like there's probably four or five factors why yeah 100%. Like, like there's four or five factors why and i'm sure we go different edibles it's different experiences but chocolate versus gummies drinks exactly. versus chocolate all that jazz but when she smokes, now she's like, oh, I can enjoy a full joint. And I'm like, yeah, it's because you're getting a little bit of a tolerance. There's no, if you want to just sit there and enjoy the process of smoking the joint, bring it up to your lips, inhaling, you need to build a tolerance up for the smoking side so that you yeah. can enjoy that aspect of it. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, it's not just something that if you continue to one and done yourself all the time, you're never going to build it up, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. That's, that's a good point. Cause my wife, my wife's been on the shadow train lately yeah. and she's just, she's loving the concentrate. She's not really touching my flower, which I'm cool with. Cause it's making my flower last a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she's her, her tolerance on, on the concentrate side of things is much higher than mine, which yeah. I find very funny because even though I smoke way more flower than her and what I would consume a volume quantity much more than her, she can, she could probably smoke me under the table when it comes to dabs. Yeah. And I was just going to say, but give her some flour and I'll bet you to level her. Yeah, exactly. And like hundred percent. I, I go through stints like that, where it's like, if I, if I sit down and I could smoke four or five bowls in a row in an hour and not feel like baked, I'm like, okay, I need to take a break from flour. So I go over and I, fo I take more dabs for three or four days, just change it up. And then I come back and guess what? That first big bowl I smoke afterwards, I sit down and I've got about 20 minutes to gather myself. <laughs> and it, and it's it. just, and it's the same with that first big dab after I take three or four days or three or four weeks break from it. Yeah. You come back. It's like, Oh, what is this? Brand Your body new. doesn't know how to break it, break it down and process it. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And it's kind of neat because it's one of those things where cannabis is such a breadth of consumption that it allows you to do that. The, the body, because of our endocannabinoid system, we're really able to play off of what we need to, like you said, balance ourselves out, right? I know if I'm smoking tons of cannabis, smoking tons of dabs, 
maybe if I'm a little like wired before bed, it's probably a good idea to take 30 milligrams of CBD just to make sure that I'm getting that extra phytocannabinoid in my, in my system to break off some of that THC, that phyto THC that I brought in because my body's obviously producing its own 2-AG and anandamide on top of everything I'm consuming. So the reuptake's insane and it just continues, right? Until you start shielding yourself. And I always try and break it down for people who are new to CBD and are worried about like, am I going to get high? I always say, think about it like this. Your your, uh, receptors are a ball and around that ball are a bunch of little triangle spaces and a bunch of little circle spaces. CBD fills up the circle holes. THC fills up the triangle holes, right? If you consume a bunch of THC, those are going to be filled up along with what your body's already producing. And if you keep doing that, the ball eventually gets kind of spiky because it's all triangles. So now you need to start filling it up with CBD to break those triangles off and get back to the circular original normalcy that you're going to get to with the consumption of CBD. Yeah, and that, that is the more scientific breakdown of the way that I did it when I was in the dispensary because I was always go, you need to look at it as THC and CBD are sister compounds. They do work for one another and they can cross over into each other's area, but they only truly work in their best form when they work together. You've got to let the CBD do its job and then the THC can do its job better. And it's the same with the other way. If you're full of THC, when you bring the CBD in, it's going to take that THC off the molecule that's trying to do the CBD's job and let CBD do its job. Then the THC can do its job. It's like putting 100%. two people in the best plate, bet their proper seats on the bus, essentially. You yeah. put them in the right seat, they're going to do the right thing. 100%. Or sticking them, it's like athletes, right? Making sure yeah. you have your complementary athletes. You got your shooter and your passer and they complement each other, right? They always can score that goal and get things done to 100%. And I think that's the coolest thing about cannabis because as legalization continues and as research develops and all the friggin' veils are lifted off of everything, we're going to see what the compounds like CBG and CBN and yeah. CBC do on top of CBD, the flavonoids, the THC, the terpenes, the esters, the yeah. everything, right? Because cannabis is so complex and we kind of reduce that complexity, especially from a regulatory standpoint of just being THC and CBD on a bottle, right? I think that's one of the biggest misses in our industry And from Health Canada's point is it should have had a full, like full cannabinoids, this much percentage, full terpene profile, this much percentage. And then if you want to know more, you get to interact. Yeah. I will always argue that Distinct has the best packaging on the market right now. And it's just because Farmstead isn't doing any more product or they shut down. They were the originator of this, this labeling. I think realistically, on every single cannabis packaging, this should be regulatory mandated. Yeah, I agree. We should know who the grower is. We should know who produced the seed. We should know where the seed was grown. What What are we losing by putting this on the back of the bag? Hell, that Informing should be on the my consumer. Meat. Right? I've that got no issues with meat. that. That should be on I've my got, vegetables. I've got no issues with that. We should be able to track where this produce is coming from. Yeah. And guess what? 
then all of a sudden the people who are doing the best stuff are going to get the best result because they're going to get hunted down by the people who want that product. Yeah. And you're going to have a section. And this is something that a lot of people say, well, it's just going to eat into the people buying cheap weed. Well, no, because again, a consumer is always going to have two kind of areas where they're going to purchase, right? Right. You're either going to have your wallet purchase yeah. or you're going to have your quality purchase. You go in there, a consumer goes in there. I go in there with a hundred bucks in my mind. And I go, okay, what do I want to pick up today? And what can I pick up in the next week? If I got to wait two weeks before I can grab something again, I'm probably not buying two $45 eighths. Nope. I'm probably going to try and use that $100 to get me an ounce because of how much I consume. Yep. Right? And that's just how it is. Realistically, why are we trying to defend cheap flour? Like, that's that's the one argument. It's like, well, are you trying to get rid of cheap flour? Yes. I'd be perfectly happy to get rid of it. Why? Because then the mids can be our cheap flour and it's at least quality that's being smoked. Yeah. Not this rebranding of new companies because they've gotten a sour name with uh, the consumer. And now it's like, oh, we're going to just put out this new product as a new brand and just repackage the other stuff in this new bag. Repackage I, the stuff that's six, eight, nine months old already. Yep. <laughs> like I, I'm watching that. And this is the first like first spring where I'm not in the dispensary, where I'm not seeing the changes come in. Like, Oh, I can, when it, cause when you get the boxes in the back, you know, which companies are producing this product. It's very apparent. Color cannabis. You, you pull the box out just the way it's shaped. You know, what's coming from color, right? Like there's certain companies. Sure, cause that they bought a hundred thousand boxes. It, exactly. Their labels are very apparent. And then you go to these smaller companies and, every shipment's a little bit different because they're trying to get what goes through. They're just trying to get their product to go through the, the sales um, channels essentially. Yeah. So like you guys, the first couple of boxes, they were all over the place with the sizes until you got it dialed in with your, uh, with your ordering. And that's startup. That's part yeah. of startup. Exactly. You got to make sure you get a good cost appropriate box size and you can fit all your stuff in there without it getting squished. Yeah, exactly. But like a perfect example of this is Parcel right here. This will be next Friday's review. I went and I looked. I'm like, oh, auxiliary. Maybe it's a company they brought, went and bought out. And I saw Parcel.com. I'm like, okay, so I don't, I'm not thinking it's affiliated with any of their other brands. Pull it up. Parcel.com. Back 40. No link found. I'm like, ah, okay. Guess it's a good thing I didn't uh, review the Sunday driver for back 40. So I'll review it for parcel. There you go. (laughs) Right. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. If I would have seen the box, I would have known, Oh, it's the same, same company as back 40. No point in buying it. I know what to expect. Yeah. Waste of my time. And that's kind of a big thing in the industry right now that we're starting to see. It's kind of like, it's like video games in the eighties. Um, everybody's trying to do the same thing and come up with a unique name or something interesting that's going to sell. But at the end of the day, if you were to go through and, and test all of those actual strains, I bet you 80% of them are Pink Kush or Jean Guy or, or something that's just like being overproduced at a mass quality, a quantity, I should say, and yeah. being sold through wholesalers and everybody else to brands who just need quick, accessible flour to make a buck. Yeah. And again, that comes down to the regulatory standings where there's a big problem and a gap because good growers 
can't make the money they need to survive per gram on that cannabis when they get to market. That's why I applaud people like um, BC Black Label and those guys because they're helping growers get to market like that or anybody who's using a really good grower like J-Buds as a, a contract grower, yeah. right? Because they grow phenomenal flower and, and use really good genetics like from Mother Labs. So um, a lot of plugs like that, they're starting to increase in volume. But again, it's it's difficult, like you said, when there's cheap flour around and cheaper than mids and people just are like, well, I'm going to buy this $19 eighth because yeah. I only got 20 bucks. And and for me, it does matter. Does it get me high? Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. And it's and then they go and they get exposed to a better quality cannabis. And then they come in, they get pissed off because you can't buy it at $20. It's like, mm -hmm. because everyone in the market is going for that $20 because that's all they can afford. Or like, they're not willing to take that $20 and spend it on a three pack of pre-rolls of higher quality cannabis that arguably I think would last longer than that three and a half of dry popcorn. Right? Nonsense. Like, <laughs> Because you get you can get thirty percent THC flour, that's whole flour from smaller producers, at a decent price. Yeah, I comparable agree. price to three and a half. And if you're just rolling up your own joints, or you're right, or even if you're hitting it from the bong, break up the joint, hit it from the bong, but use substantially less. You'll be surprised at how much farther it goes. Yeah, I completely agree, and that's the that's the biggest thing. You get really good compositions with everything the cannabinoid content again high cannabinoid content anything over that 32 to 35 percent total cannabinoids yeah. i find is always going to be a good flower because you know it's got a little bit of cbg in there a little bit of cbd it's got thca it's got the nice thc so when you're converting it over during the decarboxylation process when you heat it up either in a joint in your vaporizer at different temperatures just heating it up in general is going to give you a new experience than anything else, right? So I love the fact that flour can do that because it's different, like you said, in a joint versus a bong versus a vape. Yeah. And that and that's another point that we can build off of that total cannabinoid. Why why are we seeing THC hit that 36% and not seeing any total cannabinoid? Because if the total cannabinoid is 37 and your THC is 36, I'm sorry. That's a nice, pretty, sh real sparkly flower under the light, but yeah. it's not going to go very far. It's like distillate. It's a re-up flower. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Where, it's a maintenance flower. Like that, the, the bag that I showed you from Distinct is a lemon ras. 27% THC. So good. 34% total cannabinoids, I think. 33 or 34 on this one. Yeah. No, sorry. 37.8. So... <laughs> almost 9% additional cannabinoids from the THC percentage they calculated. Right. That, that's that, just and calculated. That's, that's not that's, even micro cannabinoids. That's, that's something people need to realize is total THC is an equation that counters for Delta nine THC and THCA and THC that's active already. It's three yeah. molecules that are being rounded into a, somewhat of a guess at what the potential THC is going to be when you combust it. It's right. a guess. It's nothing more than a very scientifically ran down guess. Yeah, it's a guesstimate for sure. It's not even an estimate because at the end of the day, that batch changes from yeah. batch to batch. Flower changes from bud to bud. Like 
to say, and it's funny because back in the day when I worked for other flower companies and stuff, you'd get things tested and you'd make sure, okay, to get the best THC testing, we need to be at around 8% moisture. We want the top colas or mid buds. We don't want anything from the bottom third. And we're going to send that all in a package all at once. And that's our representative sample. Right. And that's, that's kind of the scary thing because eventually you're going to get product in your package. You don't want eight and a half percent moisture. <laughs> like that's terrible. So it's, oh. it's like, you're not even sending representative samples in for testing to make sure that the product you're producing is going to be what's labeled. Well, exactly. I, I would, I would realistically rather we go back to the range system. Here's the 5% range that this flower is going to hit with the low portion of the, and literally you send your worst and you send your best. And that's the range that goes on there. Mm-hmm. If you want to round it down, okay, but you got to shave an equal amount of numbers off that back end that you do from the front. 100%. If it's, say it comes in at 19 and 26, and you want to get that 19 to 21, well, then guess what? It's 21 to 24. Yep. 100%. You don't get to say 21 to 26 because you shave two points off the back, you shave two points off the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now, does the consumer win out of that? I would think so if they get some that's a little bit higher, but realistically, we're talking about 10 to 20% of the plant that runs in that low grade and high grade. The rest of it's going to sit in that middle range. 100%. Right. Right. Let's give it, let's go with total cannabinoid and let's push that number being the heavier one and then give you, well, here's the THC range. Here's the total cannabinoid profile after that. Yeah, and let you decide as a consumer if that's what you want to be consuming because that'll give you a better <laughs> idea of the experience you're about to get from that particular product, right? Yep. If you know there's a lot of CBG in there and you know kind of your THC conversions or how CBG works, you know that as you decarboxylate and heat that up, you're going to get probably a little bit more of that kind of rush and that provoking feeling because of its conversion over to THC and THCA. So if that's the experience you want, that's what you're going to look for as opposed to just going, Oh yeah, high THC does the trick. So I'm going to grab this 34% THC flower when it has very minimal other cannabinoids. And then you come back to the bud tender and go, well, what the fuck? Yep. We're, we're now let's switch the situation and we have total cannabinoids as a number we've been pushing instead of total THC. They go and they buy 36, uh, 36% total cannabinoid. They get home and they realize it's 18 and 18 THC and CBD. All of a sudden they smoke it and they're bored. Like they are, it's a balance, but it has a yeah. full terpene profile. It has a full or even 16, 16. And then you've got your range of CBG and CBN in there. THCV, a bunch of these other compounds that give you that full family entourage effect. That, that right there is where we br- how we bring back those one-to-one strains, those two-to-one strains where it's, okay, yeah, the total cannabinoid's 30%. That is, that is celebratory levels. Total cannabinoid, 30%. I agree. THC is picking genetics. Yeah. yeah total exactly. cannabinoid is growth scale. Yeah, 100%. I'm starting, I'm starting to really solidify that belief. Yeah, and I would agree with you there, especially because like, some of the really good growers I know and follow that used to be old school legacy guys too, like uh, the paper and craft guys that are doing a lot of the stuff for Carmel and Drew's Fino and the hunting on that end. Like they're 
their Georgia pie, right? Or their mm-hmm. animal face cookies, like constant wins out of the park and hitting insane numbers, 27% THC, almost five, 6% terpene profile, not to mention that 35 plus total cannabinoids on most of their lots. Like I think they were one of high North's like number one yeah. uh, samples like just recently. So that just speaks volumes to, like you said, the quality of the grower, because they can pump those genetics higher than anybody else who just has an animal face cookies, right. Or a sour diesel variant. Right. So. And yes, of course, the genetics that they're using play a factor into that. that mm-hmm. There is no argument that can be made against that fact. But the skill of the grower is the only thing that showcases the high point of that genetic and the low point of that genetic. Yeah, There's exactly. reasons why I'm not dropping certain seeds because I know I don't have the skill to grow that, that quality of a genetic and I'm not wasting my time and money. And, and in my, my mind, offending the breeder because they bred that for people who know what they're doing. Yeah. I'm still learning what I'm doing. Doing an injustice to the seed. In exactly. Or an injustice to the plant because you're not giving it its fullest potential. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm a very amateur new grower and basically just pop bag seeds all day long yeah. when I can. And then if I'm thinking I'm getting a good harvest or so, I'll, I'll chance it out. I'll maybe spend yeah. 65, 100 bucks on a pack of seeds. Yeah. But then, like you said, I pop on my triumph and there's just this skill gap like video games sometimes there's just this skill gap i can't hurdle so i need to do research i need to hone my craft i need to look at my equipment right maybe i'm doing something wrong there and so it just opens up that pandora's box and so like you said don't waste the time find the good growers in the market find the guys who are already ripping it and grab that stuff for yourself and maybe you'll get a bag seed once in a while that you can pop but exactly (laughs) And even if it just gives you something to strive for in your home grow, because that's, that's my point is it's like, I don't, I, I know that I'm not the person to try strive to be the best grower in the industry. It's not where my focus is, but if I can grow weed that makes the head growers at the facility that I think are the best of go, ah, <laughs> that's it's a decent. win. That, that is a win for me. That, that to me is the, the precedent I want to hit where, where the lead, the master growers, I'm giving them bags and they're going, yeah, I, I would stuff. smoke this. I would grow this for me. As soon as I hit that level on the quality of the flower I'm producing after that, it's okay. Let's start having fun with this and really playing around to optimize what I'm doing. But yeah. that's the baseline that I want to get to, to before I can go and buy any genetic I'm, I want and drop it in. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think I'm aligned on that same process. I don't want to do anything crazy until I'm really good at the craft. So like, I completely agree. And that's kind of why even at Sticky Greens, and I'll talk about us for a brand as a second, because my love is for flower. And that's something I want to try and do with our brand. And so obviously we're going to hopefully work with small producers, work with really good craft growers because at the end of the day, this will be something similar to like the flavor lab drops where it's very limited time, very small batch. Cause then we can control the quality, the consistency and pump the amount of kind of revenue share that we want to do with those growers so they can stay alive and continue to do that good product. Right. Well, and 
anybody who wants to support the craft producers and give them the credit, I'm all over supporting. Like you said, BC Black, great company for that. Be Blunt in Alberta is doing that for right. They've just got two two producers they're working with right now, but they're trying to expand their reach. But companies that are doing that, I love to see, and I want to get that more informative product out there so that people can see oh there's a better way to do what we're doing mm-hmm. yeah. because like with you guys you're limited right now because you're just doing the, the distillate and the disty sticks are the only flower option you guys have on the market right now right yeah presently and so hopefully we'll be moving into like live resins and stuff that's a little nice. bit more full spectrum but again we kind of mentioned this at the very beginning of the podcast was um distillate's a really good stepping stone and our brand is very good for those new consumers and people who are looking for those flavors the problem becomes is i don't want to offend anybody by say creating that stepping stone between distillate to live resin because i have to do a quick blend of distillate and live resin because a i want to have that same terpene profile that we know and love from our brand but B, also make sure that I'm encapsulating what I can for a full spectrum product. Yeah. But that really creates a lot of tension in the community and the cannabis space between your purists and your consumers, right? Your, yeah. your purist consumers and your regular consumers. And so that's kind of the bridge I'm trying to get a uh, gap right now. Well, and for me, the way I look at it is the purists, they're going to be pissed off no matter what innovations we implement into the industry. There's going to be purists who have just, it should be flour and it should only be flour. Then there's people who are like, it should only be rosin and flour. It should only be non-solvent. Like there's going to be that argument no matter what. Though for me, as long as it's clear what the product is and you're not trying to brand it as live resin when the distillate's a carrying agent and the live resin's a flavor profile, at that, if you go a live resin flavor profile with a distillate carrier and you're letting people know you're almost calling it like a licorice twist or something like that. We've got the blend and you brand it like that. Anybody who's upset at that, they, they can get, in my opinion, they can get bent because it's their reason for being upset because they don't like the product you release. Well, sorry, wait for the next one. You might like it. it. Exactly. It's the not informing somebody of the change is a little bit of a different story. Yeah, I would agree. Transparency is key in the industry. And something I've always said is you're, uh, you're only as good as your last bag. And that's, that's very true for flower brands, because as soon as you win somebody's trust and you, you win that loyal consumer, if you start throwing popcorn nugs in there, really dry, dry stuff, you're gonna, you're gonna lose that consumer because they're going to go, Hey, I've been picking this up for months and it was fine. Yeah. now it's not so I'll, I'll maybe try you one more time I, and if i get duped again i'm out and the only time that i would say that that isn't a factor is when the actual producers come out and go this lot didn't turn out our isn't our best lot forgive us before it even hits shelves and then yeah. all the bud tenders know and then you're maybe losing one or two customers because oh i paid 40 bucks i expect yeah you, you got kind of the raw end of the stick because maybe your bud tender didn't know. Maybe you didn't see that. Ex- I understand that. That's going yeah. to happen. But the best way to prevent that is get ahead of it. 100%. And, yeah. it, and if you can, 
be willing to take a dollar ding off of it or whatever, like be willing to take one or $2 ding, put it out there because that way your customer is going to go, Oh, they're what, why is this, why is this cheaper this time? It just didn't turn out as well. They wanted to, they just want to get it out, get you guys smoking it, maybe get some new people trying it. Yeah. And we want, we want to get the better product out here. There's, yeah. I understand that. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's just like what you, it's exactly what everybody did in the legacy days. What I did in the legacy day too, is a cropped in crop out possibly at its best. It wouldn't be $60 for seven grams, right? It'd be 40 because I know it's not as good. Well, and so, it's, and it's where I'm realistically starting to see a lot of these companies put out shred or milled product. I'm like, the, the ones who are doing it the right way, the full flower, releasing it, like be blunt with that alien rock candy that, and they're taking a little bit of an older bud, grinding it up, putting it in a humidity pack, putting it in a good bag, and then putting it out at a decent price. That's one way to get through a grow that just didn't quite turn out. Mm-hmm. Because or those older people, who are buying, people who are buying milled product are going to be a lot softer, a lot softer than anybody else because they're going for convenience primarily or cross point. (laughs) I was just going to say you're at that point, the milled product ends up in my opinion should be taking the place of all this really cheap kind of nonsense cannabis, because at the end of the day, all that cheap nonsense cannabis should be put into milled because of, like you said, ease of access, right. Um, Ease of use and value proposition, right? If I can buy seven grams of milled stuff when I'm hurting for cash because I had a vet bill come out or because Mm -hmm. I got sick and was off work or anything and I still want to get baked for a week, I can go buy seven grams for 25 bucks and it keeps me afloat until next payday. Or if you wanted to go and try a new product, there is a half ounce and a full ounce released. The full ounce is $220. The half ounce is $100. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, right. The half ounce is milled. The full ounce is full bud. Well, let's see the mill. Let's grab that milled. It's at 30% THC. It's got, it, it's got everything that the full bud has. It just was the ugly small popcorn nugs. Yeah. The stuff yeah. you don't want to see in your 14 or 28 gram bags. The stuff that's just going to be dumped into your grinder and look like that bag is going <laughs> to look like it anyways. Right. Exactly. Right. So the first ones you pick out of the big bag to put in the grinder, right? Exactly. Exactly what I do. The little ones die first. (laughs) Yeah. I dump the bag right onto the tray. All the big stuff goes right back into the bag and it's the loose, the trim, the shake, all that's the first taste. (laughs) Yeah. It stays on, it stays on the tray and it gets fucking eaten right away. hundred percent. Oh, no, that's perfect, man. I love it. That's, uh, that's how you can tell just good consumers and people who know their cannabis and what they want from their experience because they talk like that and they understand it. And the great thing is, is bud tenders who are in that position and in retail stores who have that connection with their consumers are always the best ones to talk to. There's a, a Gavin over at Spirit Leaf here in Millrise is one of my favorite bud tenders to go visit just because of his demeanor and how excited he gets about products he consumed. I can't tell you how many times I've just bought uh, a nice gram of shatter or a nice gram of um, rosin because he blew it up and was like, this is amazing. It tastes great. Like, I love it. So 
Bartenders are the pathway to great sales and making sure that consumers get good product. Oh, absolutely. And even like, there's even been bud tenders who don't consume themselves, but they're just ravenous with the knowledge. Like they cannot consume enough knowledge about the plant because they just enjoy it, but they have no interest in consuming themselves. They've given some of the best unbiased opinions and information that I could ever ask for. Or even if they aren't like smoking or edible consumers, all they use is topicals. Those are the people you should go and talk to about topicals because they could, there is no influence of any other cannabinoid. Yeah. (laughs) They they can give you straight to the point. Yeah, this works because it affects this area or no, it doesn't work. It doesn't do anything for you. Yeah. Just I'd avoid this one. Don't try it. It sucks. Because how many, how many of us throw on that roll on and then pack a bowl, pack a joint, or we're smoking while we're doing it. Right. hundred percent. So you don't even know <laughs> if it's the cannabis you're consuming or the roll on that's working, but you spent exactly. 40 bucks on the roll on anyways. It doesn't matter. I feel the icy hot going in. It should be doing the trick. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, Okay, but um, with that, do you have any new products that are coming out st- for Sticky Greens um, other than that orange cream school that you're talking about, the white frost? I know that Miguel was mentioning like more of a seasonal kind of approach. Do you guys have anything like that coming? Yeah, so I'm sure. So our orange, orange swirl is going to be great. Um, the white freeze is going to be amazing. Those are going to be like staple drops as we continue to move through our lineup because Fortunately, some of the ones like Mango Tango, Fruitios, possibly Island Colada, maybe even Lychee Ice, they might just be dwindling down and we might be replacing them with some new staple skews. Um, but the really cool thing is the seasonal ones, that's kind of where we can play with uh, our Flavor Lab drops, if you've heard about that yet. So we just recently launched um, a few units of our Cinnamon Hearts Flavor Lab drops. So it tastes like that amazing Cinnamon Hearts candy sugary fiery sweet and a little bit of heat i think we did really well on capturing that almost that controversial flavor of hey i love this taste or oh my god get this (laughs) out of my face right because i think that's the cinnamon hearts consumer i remember getting cinnamon hearts as a kid at valentine's day when everybody would walk around with little baggies and throw them on your desk and you'd go oh sweet candy you'd toss a handful in your mouth and go oh that was terrible or if you like cinnamon hearts you're like fuck yeah fiery heat so i think that'll be good i'm i think you actually got a chance to try some of the cinnamon hearts at the lift event um so hopefully that one does well we'll be launching a shamrock shake uh, which will be very interesting so it's going to be called shamrock mint Uh, it's going to be very reminiscent of that 1970s uh, nostalgic uh, McDonald's shake flavor that we all know and love around um, St. Patrick's Day. Hopefully those launches will be available on those kind of seasonal dates. And in the future, we're looking at doing like, oh, some really cool confectionery stuff. I don't want to give it away too much, um, but I'm looking at something that might have like a maple back end um, for like August because we know what happens especially here in Alberta around July and August we got stampede we've got all the rodeos and so something that's reminiscent of like a nice confectionery taste will be good and again like I think uh pan toning a lot of those sweet candy flavors with really nice fruit flavors that are nice and subtle so I'm I'm playing around with some like 
blackberry flavors, I think uh, maybe peach. I know peach does very well on the market and might be abundant, but combining that with some other kind of flavors will be really unique and exciting too. We tried a maple bacon flavor, didn't pan out as much as I was hoping. Uh, the the salty bacon flavor didn't really stick in there. It tasted more like pine salt than anything. Oh. So that we we have a few misses. We have a few misses when I'm playing with this uh, kind of stuff, but it is a lot of fun. And I think at the end of the day, we're going to be using our social media platform a little bit to source what consumers want to see. Nice. Right. If we can get something and maybe even do a giveaway or a, a contest or something where it's like, hey, tell us the flavor you want. And if 1400 people say, hey, we want this flavor, well, maybe I'll trial it. And if it works out in a distillate, then we launch it under Flavor Labs and people go, damn, I helped that out. I actually created that. <laughs> so it's something yeah, that's really cool. Consumer feedback for this industry is going to really be the future for the companies who make big, like, um, what, like a fan base level of following. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to say cult following, but almost that cult following level where it's just like, they take care of us yeah. they do what we want us to do. And that's going to be how smaller companies create niches, especially when it comes to desolate carts and stuff along those lines because there is a lot available. So you've got to make yourself you truly unique in one way or the other. And to begin with, the flavors is what got you guys there. Now yeah. you've got to find a way to continue keeping those flavors to what people want. Exactly, right? And I think the best way to do that is working with our consumer base, working with retailers and just understanding what people like, right? I never thought the day would come where the industry would be back on the orange train, but we're, we're here. Right. Look at it again. I bet you if somebody did a really nice sour tangy flower, people would be all over that again because of just the nostalgic taste, the flavor, the experience. The only problem is, is sour tangy is hard to push above 25 percent. Right. That's why we don't see Tropicana cookies anymore, because it's hard to push above that 16, 19 percent, even if you're a fantastic grower. But the cannabinoid profile hit 32. Yep. Let's change the number we're looking for. And all of a sudden we've got a bunch of the genetic flower. Like the realistically, the beginning genetics that we had on market were amazing, amazing flower, like granddaddy purple. And a lot of like, we had a lot of granddaddy purple and now we're minimal. And right, where did it go? Like, like white, realistically, we never saw a truly phenomenal white widow on the market that became the dominant white widow. Mm -hmm. There was no Jack Hare that became the dominant Jack. What? Why not? Yeah. No why, John why B that became the dominant. Existing? Like, why are they still being pushed out by good supply and being bought, but have never made a staple on the Canadian market? And that's the big thing. I think the only genetic that has had that kind of traction and will continue to is the MK Ultra um, out there by uh, the BC Black Label. And I think it's... Yeah, Smoker Farms Master yeah. Kush Ultra. Yeah, there you go. That's I, the one, he was right? the guest I had last week, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's phenomenal. He does an amazing job at that particular genetic. And I always thought, what are you doing <laughs> launching an MK Ultra? 
Like this is insane. And he launched it like two years into yeah. legalization. I'm like, man, and, like what are you doing? It's created it's a cult following. It's yeah. created the cult following. Yeah. Anything draws from smoker farms in BC, people are all over it. Yeah. Right. And well, that's Ontario because he knows too. the grow. Yeah. Exactly. Like like the Ontario, Alberta, and BC, that Master Kush Ultra continuously moves. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's it, to that point you said is it was it's a great genetic and people who consume it, I almost want to say are probably like that 40 to 45 plus age that they all grew up with Master Kush Ultra, right? Yep. So or chemo kush, stuff yeah. like that. Or it's even someone like me who has different flower for different purposes. That Master Kush Ultra is a medicinal flower for me in the evening when I'm having heavy back nerve pain, Mm -hmm. specific nerve pain, not muscular pain or anything along those lines. And the nerve-based pain, that Master Kush Ultra, along with a couple of others, the the hippie headbanger from Carmel, Mm -hmm. that was like, there's there's a couple of genetics that just do the trick for that style of pain. So I would have it in stock purely for that medicinal relief. And it's because it's more than just THC that he's putting out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like cannabinoid profile. That's killer. And it's, and with this new growth system, I can only imagine how much better it's going to get. Right. (laughs) Constantly innovating and making what was good before better is just going to put the output through the roof. And so I'm excited for that too. Like much to your point, the MK ultra for you for nerve pain is like the, the broken coast, uh, broken coast Galliano. I think it was yep. their Northern Lights. That was another one I would put in there. That was I would always use it whenever I had migraines. And now because Broken Coast is a lot more recreational and they're focusing on that THC, that Galliano is not pushed as hard as like their Stargazer or some of the other brand uh, yep. branded products that they bring because it's hitting twenty eight percent. Right. Like Ruxton, for instance, that's a heavy yielder. And it's like, that's great. But where's this one that I need for my brain? Yeah, exactly. Where's the quality, quality genetics that Mm -hmm. you guys built your brand off of that you're now leaving to the wayside? Yeah. Like, like I'm verticals, cold Creek Kush. It's still on the market, but the quality of it is not the same as it was day one. They're trying to put out new products. It's like, sorry, you guys bite the bullet. You're the cold Creek Kush company. Guess what? Run two quality, two different qualities. Have an upper tier of it. Literally yeah. grow a higher quality, release it under a different name, like brand name, and still have it in, as Cold Creek Kush, and people will pay the extra $10 or $15 for it. I would yeah. gladly pay the money for a higher quality Cold Creek Kush. Because you know the experience and you like it. That's the big thing. Like Lemon Sour Diesel, one of my favorite strains of all time, and you can never find a good LSD on the market right now. Cause it's almost non-existent or it's renamed as something else. So I don't want to like chance it and try a, a French toast gelato, whatever. Right. And go, okay, cool. This is, this is something that's not LSD and then go, Oh damn, that is. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things is there's so much confusion now around what's actually in your bag that you have to stick to people who, you know, are doing quality product. Oh, And like, for me, I even have to, I'm for what I personally buy, I'm almost at the point where if I don't know the grower, where if I haven't had a D even just a DM conversation with the grower, I have a hard time dropping money on stuff. 
Like, uh-huh. of course, I have to separate the product I buy for reviews and the product that I buy for personal use because personal use, it's like an hour and a half, four, two hours talking with, going through the product, especially if I have a big menu, I take my time. Yep. When I'm going to buy reviews, I go in and go, what should I be covering? Yeah, what's good? What do you want to hear about? Exactly. What's new? What, sh- what should I review this week? Yeah, and that's again, the feedback that I use. And again, like, that's why you're doing it. That's experience-based or or ex- experiential-based cannabis where you're just like, hey, I'm doing a review. I don't care the effects because I'm going to talk about them. Yeah. When you turn around, you go, the MK Ultra from Smoker Farms, I'm picking that up every time I see it because I know this week I've been lifting a bunch of heavy shit. My back is going to spasm on me on Sunday. <laughs> that, and that's exactly it. It's And that's that's where you'll see my support for brands are totally different. Like my, the amount of energy I put behind the hype for certain companies that I do for others, it's apparent between the companies that put out quality cannabis and the people who don't right. Like back 40, the only genetic that I'll talk about is their wedding pie. Why? Because it does a certain job. Yeah. Right. It's the only one that's probably worthwhile speaking about. Right. And, and for the, experience across the entire industry it seems to be the only one that's consistent yeah yeah their wedding pie has stayed consistent in their portfolio with like i want to say like moisture for the most part bud size thc coverage like it's been a pretty consistent plant for them unless a few batches here and there but it's a plant there's going to be variants exactly and that's and that's exactly what it is if you get it if you can get ahead of that bad lot let people know it then it's not as big of an issue, but the consumers need to understand that it's a plant. <laughs> There's going to be variants. You're not going to get the same exact thing every single time. Yeah. Yeah. percent. If you want the same thing every time, you got to buy the whole lot you got to freeze it and smoke it for the up three years. Yeah. Or but grab, or grab a nice distillate pen yeah. or something <laughs> that has that consistent flavor and consistent THC <laughs> that, you know, Hey, this is a top up. Exactly. Something that can be, manufacture to maintain the consistency because that's the one thing with distillate is it the product that's going in does matter but the like the terpene profile the cannabinoid profile all that doesn't play as big of a factor because you're distilling it you're isolating all of those compounds and removing it and then you're taking just the thc out of it exactly and then you're reformatting it so Mm -hmm. i'm sure it plays some factor but it's probably such a minor experience that realistically how much of a factor does it play? Yeah, exactly. I think like you said, it comes down to the quality of the actual processing of that distillate as opposed to what the input material is, right? Back in the legacy days, you could grab tons of input flour, just (laughs) run it through a butane tube, right? Your glass tube and a bunch of butane, pull it out and then boil it off. And hey, you'd get a pretty decent batch of shatter now and then. But depending on what you put in there, if it's a bunch of old stuff, your shatter is going to be much darker, right? And so I think that's the same key, right? You get dark distillate, you know it's a little older, you get lighter distillate. But again, you can kind of shore that up by how much you process it and refractorate it and basically break it down and decarb it and put it through the fractalation processes that really end up making the molecule the best it can be in 
the isolated compound that it is, right? Because we know THC is the best it can be when it's combined with all of its other cannabinoids. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's kind of a, a, people have a little bit of a misconception with it is distillate is a totally different experience than any other concentrate because distillate is isolating compounds where everything else is either stripping or squeezing the compounds out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and what I mean by stripping, it's the butane, the pro they, they literally strip the cannabinoids right off of the leaves and the bud sites and the plant and leave it in a pool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's, it's a totally different degree of um, interaction with the plant than you have with this. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Right. I completely agree. Like even CBD isolate versus CBD flower very different experience and what you're going to uh, receive as a consumer because at the end of the day that isolate is going to hit your cbd receptors right off the bat whereas that cbd flower is going to have to go through the entourage process it's going to have to break down some walls around those kind of receptors and then build up some other walls right so it's a longer process that's why i've always said and kind of like to your point distillate or anything that's like isolated is always going to be that immediate fill whereas something more experiential or evolved is going to be full flower full extract full spectrum because you get the layers to it and and the only compound that i'd say that's a little bit different is the cvg based isolate because it's a building block it's that's literally what it is cbg is the building block of cannabis so it needs a little time to convert (laughs) yeah exactly depending on how you convert it too with heat with pressure with anything else with time it's going to give you a different variant and feeling each way exactly cool but uh we we covered a lot of topics and we went pretty heavy on the science side which is nice to have somebody come on here and and know kind of the deeper science knowledge of a lot of the information that I share off because it just, it complements and kind of expands what I've been trying to say and trying to help people understand over the last couple of years. Right. Yeah. And it's one of those things that again, because the veil has been so heavily covered on it for so long for research is we're only starting to start getting that knowledge and having it readily accessible and having peer reviewed studies that actually talk about it and go, Hey, this is what we're seeing at a molecular level. This is pretty cool. Oh, exactly. And we're, and we've got the confidence that we're going to be able to start seeing long-term effect studies and stuff along those lines, because people don't have to be as not necessarily reclusive, but just secretive about their cannabis consumption. And they can be a little bit more out and open and they can be upfront with how much they're consuming too. It's, it's no longer being shy about it. You can actually, it's a little bit more normalized than it was five years ago even because at the end of the day you can speak to your doctor and say yeah I, I smoke cannabis fairly regularly and I find it does this for me and if your doctor is a good doctor they might go hey well <laughs> let's get you a prescription on that let's see what we can do long term and see if it works this way at a particular dose for a particular amount of time well and for me I'm just waiting for the moment to where we have like cannabis therapeutic guides where it's the bud tender plus where it's yes you under and this and i know i've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast where it's 
I legitimately think there should be that next stage bud tender where it's almost more one-on-one consultation. You're, you're talking to people that, okay, these are the products that have worked best for me. Okay, perfect. We're not linked. We're not linked to one store. Let's pull up high buddy. We're going to try and find you this product, this product, or this product, because this is the most comparable or it has some similarities to what you're looking for, but you want more of a sleep aid? Well, it's got heavier linalool and CBN in it. That's going to be great for you. But you have a lavender allergy. Okay, so we can't have linalool in it at all. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Your average bud tender, if somebody comes in and goes, I got a lavender allergy and some of these strains don't make me feel good, they're not going to put that one-to-one correlation if they're brand new to the industry or they haven't had the, the exposure to that. Mm-hmm. Or people that go, yeah, lemons, citrus, they give me headaches. They don't, because that's like, there's a lot of times where my question comes into like, do environmental stuff bother you? Like, does, does the smell of lemon pledge give you a headache? Well, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be smoking super lemon haze. Yeah. Stay away from haze products. Stay away from right? something high in lemony. Let, like, let's, let's put two and two here together. Yeah. Right. You can't enjoy the taste of, wood or pepper well beta carefleen is probably not the terpene for you right you can you can do that mix and match but the standard bud tender hasn't gone that in depth mm-hmm. we need that second tier where they can guide and help provide that information that sounds like a really good business opportunity for anybody's <laughs> willing to be like i almost want to say uh they have this they have that same kind of thing in fashion right where you have people who you say, hey, dress me up like so-and-so or dress me up in this fashion and they go around to all the stores and shop for you. That might be something somebody could do with the knowledge and the experience they have with cannabis is be a the curated connoisseur of cannabis products for everybody who wants to hire them and use them to go, hey, here's 200 bucks. Go grab me some of the best stuff for the experience I want. I can't have X, Y, and Z and I want to feel X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, here's let's let's have that back and forth. Let's ask the questions, build it up, and that's, and like I know there's um, my under. Uh, I'm a part of that. It's a medical service that's trying to provide that, where it's bud tending for their consumers. It's just breaking it into the rec market, right? And that's it's because the biggest issue right now is the liability side of it. What can you say? What can't you say? That's that I could see being the only issue with starting that business is, well, who are you reporting to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because everything's so subjective and everybody's biochemistry is so different too, right? It's very difficult to say yay, nay, or the other way. But, um, but yeah, I like the way you're thinking. And I think the industry, as we continue to evolve, and if we do it the right way, we're going to see a lot of really cool opportunities like that open up for people who are interested in those particular spaces, right? Cannabis tourism being one of them. Somebody who loves to go out and hike and get high. Well, damn, go do guided tours all over the place and buy cannabis products for your people, charge a premium. There you go. There's an amazing business, right? We just have to get to that point. Except you can't do it in Banff. No more smoking there. Oh, did Banff put a hard... I think so. Just happened, I, I think, like, on I, the first. And that's the one thing that I, like, in the in the federal park, which is quite literally, like, if it's just the you can't smoke while walking in the town of Banff, 
okay, Understand. we've got a little bit of a different conversation. Like you can't smoke down the main passageway of Banff. You got an argument. I'm not, I'm not, but you have to step off and you go in the green space. Okay. Yeah. Let's walk that block down the road and stand on the grass in the green space. Exactly. Right. That for me, that green space is consumption space for cannabis in my mind. I agree. If you're around grass and trees, it should be fine. That's parks. Of course, you shouldn't be smoking around kids and stuff along those lines, but. But I think any responsible cannabis consumer knows that. Yeah. Right. I don't see, I don't see a lot of people just like looking around, running over to a swing set and sparking up a big fat one grammar and blowing it in these kids' faces. Right. Like that's not going to happen. And again, that's one of the fears at the beginning of cannabis was like, okay, stay 15 meters away from bus signs and doors <laughs> but realistically at two o'clock in the morning there's going to be someone on that swing smoking at one grab joint exactly but it's two o'clock in the morning the kids should be in bed yeah yeah there's no <laughs> kids out there no i love it oh but honestly it was great having you on man i think that's kind of a good point to wrap it up we went over a lot of topics we definitely get to talk about stick your greens a little bit too your new products coming out I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the reception on that orange creamsicle that mm-hmm. cinnamon hearts. Like you said, I think is going to be a take it or leave it. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. I definitely enjoyed the flavor on it, on it, but I'm a cinnamon hearts guy. So yeah, see that's, it. and that's what I wanted is I wanted people <laughs> like you to say, this is what I like. <laughs> and so and it was interesting hearing Miguel explain that like, it's difficult to get that cinnamon profile. So like that, in and of its i was just looking like you mentioned that when we were hour and 10 minutes in i'm like that needs to be another episode just talk about the difficulty because he's like the actual cinnamon terpene is toxic when we consume it as humans i'm like oh yeah and that was a point i was just hanging on to because i'm like i know we'll talk about that at some point but yeah <laughs> we it's, got it's so heavy the entourage yeah we just we definitely dove into it and like you said there's there's certain compounds that you can't put in vapes because of the inhalant qualities and the toxicity levels. So a lot of amazing terpene profiles and and providers out there really dive in heavy with what they can and can't do. And the amount of natural things out there you can blend together that it tastes like cotton candy, for instance, is like insane to me. So yeah, you're right. We could do a whole nother segment just on that. (laughs) And and terpene development and stuff, because I know there's interest in it, but we got heavy on the cannabinoid side. I'm like, this is the perfect precursor to then go into that terpene side in the next time around, right? Yeah, 100%. Because the one, just like THC and CBD, they're sister compounds. If you don't have the flavors of terpenes, a guide for the cannabinoids, they're only going to yeah. do so much for you. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand that those terpenes, flavonoids are in the head of that THC molecule. They're not an extra piece floating around on that plant. They're in all those trichomes so exactly right so like that i think we just set up the next one for sure we'll have to get you back Perfect. On I'm, soon. I'm willing to be on here anytime it was a blast i really love it and thank you for bringing attention to sticky greens the brand and all of your support behind us um like you said there's some really good brand recognition in some of the provinces we have so all i can do is say like our team's amazing people like you are amazing who continue to talk about our product and all of our consumers and brand loyalists are amazing as well so i can't thank every single one of you enough for just being a supporter uh, i'm i'm a big fan of the products and i i enjoy the fact that it's a smaller company trying to help other small companies too right that makes it really easy for me to support 
and promote your guys' product because when quality comes with that, it's it's a no-brainer for me, right? You just follow in yeah. the companies that I absolutely love to support and promote. So it's easy. And anybody I know picking up the sticky green stuff, the worst thing I say is, eh, it's not that flavor for me. I'll go back to the Rudy B or the mango tang. I have to go right. back to something I like more. That's that's not really a dig. That's just preference. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. I'm not going to go out and drink a vodka slime because I like whiskey. Exactly. <laughs> but with that being said, I was really happy to have you on. Glad to dive into all the information we did. And I definitely look forward to that next one where we go into a little bit more of that terpene profile and building all the goodies that you guys have coming out. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait to build off of that more. And anytime you want to chat, I'm always here. Thanks again. And uh, hopefully we'll chat soon. Yeah, have a good one. I hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you in the next one. Cheers. Cheers.